HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, it's time for another episode of Agave Road Trip, brought to you by La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. Strap yourselves in, grab a copita, and have some La Luna. I'm Lou Bank. I'm Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip. In fact, this is the very first, it's, even, it's not even the first, it's like the zero episode of Agave Road Trip, in which we are going to explain to you what Agave Road Trip is and why we're doing it. And who we are, too. Oh, I guess who we are? Yeah, because, you know, like as much as you love me and I love you back, Lou, people don't really know why do we care about Agave Spirits. Yeah. Why do we care? It's funny. And why, actually, why do we happen to know anything about agave spirits if we happen <laughs> to know something about them? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, uh, so so I'm not even sure that I care about agave spirits. I care about the people who make agave spirits. It's why I got, obs- no, I got obsessed because I actually thought it was delicious. But that brought me to the communities where they make the agave spirits. Um, and then I started learning more and more about the families who make them in a traditional way. And that's... That's what fascinates me. And you don't own any bar, any restaurant? Are you a brand ambassador? No. Are you? What, what is your relation? What was your relation to mezcal before you got, or agave spirits before you got in there? You know, honestly, like for me, I just I I I had a job for just over a year working for a brewery in Oregon, and before that, I had literally not had more than five glasses of beer my whole life. I just wasn't a drinker. Uh, and I thought it was because, you know, all beers tasted alike. They all tasted like, you know, Coors or Miller Lite. And then uh, the world of of craft brewing um, descended upon me like an angel of death. <laughs> and I fell in love with it um, and then found out I was gluten intolerant and had to find something else to drink. And that was mezcal. And that, yeah. that was absolutely mezcal. I, I, thought, I thought at the time whiskey had gluten. Right, because it's it's right, right. I didn't understand that that was left behind in the distillation process. Let's just say you're not a scientist. Uh, I am not a scientist. I think we can very safely say that. Um, so uh, for me, it was I was trying to find something gluten free that was as delicious and diverse as as these great craft beers, and uh, that was mezcal. So I, I headed down to to Oaxaca a few years after tasting my first mezcals. And uh, and on the second or third trip, uh, I, I started seeing all these beautiful glass bottles at Los Amantes, 
Uh, and I asked them where they made it, and they pointed me to this glass factory, Jacquiche. So my wife, Connie, and I headed over to Jacquiche one day, and hey, there was a guy named Chava. Underslept, haven't had a shower probably like in two, three days because I was working like crazy. Uh, my, I had a rather crazy hair at the time. It was, it was Christmas Day, I believe, and so you, like, you just looked the part of uh, celebrating the, the birth of Christ. You looked like Christ. I did, I did, and I, I remember that day perfectly. I was losing, losing it because I was writing these grants. So at the time, I was specializing in combustion systems, Ooh. which is the fancy way of saying I was designing fire. I used to say that it was like every teenager's dream job, just being a paramaya, you know, a pyro and being paid <laughs> <laughs> for that. And uh, at the time, I was making that to melt glass for glass blowing, also to fire ceramics. And uh, when, when I met you, I think we just had started researching the dynamics that will allow us to make equipment for, for, distil for distillation. Oh, fascinating. And that must be why you had some agave spirits on hand for me to try. From Olegario. What's his last name? Olegario Juarez. You poured me an Araqueño that blew my mind. And I, you know, like, I really love Araqueño expressions. It's hard to find what I consider to be classic great ones now at least to my palate. Um, but that was the best I had had and to that date, and I haven't had a better one since. And I was so confused. I was like, who is this gringo that knows that this is special? Because I will usually pour that to people just because we had a lot of it. They had bought, they have, my boss at the time, Christian Thornton, had bought maybe, I'll say a thousand liters, had put it in a water container unit, a Rotoplas, but then the back of his pickup drove all the way from Sola de Vega to Oaxaca, and we had there thousand liters of arroqueño to oh, our disposal. God, I would love to have thousands of that thousand liters. But you, so you, you know, up to that point, I had been visiting uh, my friends uh, uh, Eduardo Anales and uh, my friend Eduardo Anales in Santa Catarina Minas. Uh, which is relatively easy to get to from Oaxaca Centro. And then uh, my friends from Mezcaloteca had uh, seduced me down to their ranch in Miahuatlan and introduced me to so many of their family members who make incredible agave spirits. But I had never ventured out on my own. And you said, oh, you like it. You should just go visit Oligario in, in Santa Maria Sola de Vega. Knock his door, smile. Say, can I taste some of your beautiful stuff? Yeah, absolutely. It made it sound so easy. And, you know, I, I found myself one day, uh, a couple months later, in Oaxaca with a rental car, with nothing to do, no obligations, no people I was responsible to, a GPS unit, uh, and and there you go. And I, I left uh, Oaxaca Central at like 6 a.m., and just headed south to Sola de Vega, two and a half hours. Roughly. And it's a crazy highway full of curves. Oh, like yeah. my, a, a cow might jump in there. Yeah, it's, an, <laughs> it's not an easy road. It's not an easy road. So I, I pull into the town, and the first uh, the first people I see are three gentlemen on, I swear to God, on burrows. And I, I pull up, and I motor down my electric rental car window, and I say, in, in my finest uh, Espanol, Por favor, donde es maestro mescalero oligario? Which means, where is maestro? <laughs> <laughs> where is he? Where's, where's oligario? And they laugh and laugh and laugh. And when they stop laughing, I say to them, por favor, donde es maestro mescalero oligario? And this went on a few times before finally somebody said something to me, at which point I realized, oh, I am speaking to them in Spanish, 
but I, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. So they're answering me. I don't know what they're saying. And luckily he pointed with his hand and I followed down the road and I kept doing this for like 30, 45 minutes. And to all fairness, that's the only way you get directions in Oaxaca. Because if they are going to give you more than a sentence, it might be completely wrong. Oh, there, so, were, uh, so there were full paragraphs. No, I know. So yeah. that might, that's, I also use that policy even if I speak Spanish. Okay, like, fair. I'll just, fair. I'll just see the hand and I'll be like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll take this piece of direction. I'll ask for the other piece of direction when that direction is not good enough. So it's universal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It uh, is. So, um, so I did this and, and kept going back and forth until at one point somebody made two hand signals, which suggested to me that I had missed the left hand turn that I'd driven by. So I followed that down and eventually came across another person on this little turn eventually i mean it couldn't have been more than like two city blocks came upon this guy and i said that to him uh por favor donde es maestro mescalero oligario and he said you're looking for oligario yeah he's right over here perfect english and it turned out it was oligario's son and oligario's son had just moved back to his uh, hometown to live with his father brought his three children with him uh, girls they like four eight and ten years old um and they had grown up their entire lives in California, outside of Los Angeles. And suddenly they found themselves in this tiny little community. They were like, how did we get here? And not even inside the community itself, like at the outskirts of the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, Olegario yeah. lives like really deep in Rural. there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, where, where did you come from, gringo? They were so excited that somebody showed up who spoke English. And, and they wanted to know, why in the world would I come from Chicago to visit Santa Maria Sola de Vega? And to me, and this is actually, I think, the reason that we're doing this podcast, or certainly the reason I'm doing this podcast, um, is, is for that moment. I got to say to these girls that I am here visiting your grandfather because what he is doing is unlike anything that is being done almost anywhere else in the world that their grandfather was making magic and that magic that magic is why everybody should go visit rural mexico to see something that shouldn't exist anymore it's definitely i wouldn't say that it's even fighting for survival but i think one of the my favorite things about the artisanal craft environment or situation is that it's so flexible like it'll be able to refuse to die no matter the circumstances no matter how many people go in there this is completely efficient this is not worth the effort they will survive yeah no yeah, matter it's, what it's a good point you know i think people when they hear that some of these men and women in rural mexico are making their spirits in this this handmade antiquated um way they get the sense that it's because they can't afford to do it some other way they don't understand how to do it some other way but time and time again i keep seeing that instead whereas the world that i live in is focused on efficiency how do you do something in a more efficient way in rural mexico in these communities they're focused on how do i get the better result and they just don't believe that the better result is going to come from the the industrialization beauty has nothing to do with efficiency and i think they understand that better than anybody else that i know yeah so that's you know to, to the, the point being made here i guess is that's why we're doing agave road trip i want the world to get ex to understand what these spirits can be I want the world to go and visit rural Mexico. I want to send money to rural Mexico so that they 
are able to continue doing what they're doing the way they're doing it. You know, the, I, I've got I've got no problem with multinational corporations getting into Moscow. I get it. Like the, the, it's something delicious, something great, something that the world has never seen. Of course, they're gonna jump in there. Are you kidding me? Right. There's no <laughs> stopping it. Um, and and I understand that after they pay millions of dollars to buy up these brands, that they have to they have to protect those investments by buying up the agave farm so they can continue to access the source material to make these spirits. Uh, but in doing so, they also take away some of the sources that these small families had to get their agaves and keep doing what they're doing. So to me, this is about helping those communities access the dollars they need to be competitive for the agaves and need to keep doing what they're doing the way they're doing it. And visit them before some of them, uh, like God forbids, but we know that some of them might disappear. And I think this is one of the, it's a great chance to visit them at their best when oh, they're thriving. Amen. So let's sign off of this intro and uh, and then get started on the next episode. Agave harvesting. See you in a minute, Chava. Yes. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Peribán. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.net. Distributed by Heritage Radio Network, the best network in the world for podcasts about food, drink, and agriculture. Agave Road Trip is brought to you by La Luna Mezcal de Michoacán. Hey Lou, I was wondering if you ever drink mezcal cocktails, and if you do, do you happen to know any secret obscure formula to make them truly delicious? <laughs> Why, as a matter of fact, Java, I have. I have tried the Cupriata Mezcal from our friends at La Luna Mezcal. Uh, so you know it's one of it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, of the cocktail mezcals, what people call cocktail mezcal. And it's sort of a term that I think people use uh, uh, sometimes derisively. But I gotta say, I will drink neat mezcal cupriata from La Luna, and I also enjoy it in a cocktail. And I don't tend to drink cocktails that much. Uh, it's funny. I, I had uh, my friend uh, Michael Rubel at Estereo make some uh, cocktails for me, and I asked him to try different mezcals in them and my favorite blind taste text was the one that had the la luna cupriata thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This program is powered by Simplecast. 